And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it's really, really nice to have you with us here on the program. Uh, we do come your way uh, throughout the week, four times a week on this fine station, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Sundays, 1 a.m. Monday mornings, as well as uh, Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And we're so glad that you do join us, and uh, I'm certainly glad that you're also listening to the podcasts. The podcasts are on SoundCloud and iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, a bunch of other locations, too numerous at this point point in time to mention, but you're, you, all you have to do is probably Google and boom, we are there. We hope that you will join us uh, there as well as on YouTube. That's right, YouTube. We are on YouTube where you can uh, listen to these broadcasts and watch them at the same time. And I hope you will. Uh, go to YouTube and just dial in, <clears throat> dial in that... Um, Tell me your story and Richard Dugan. Okay, just look for the guy with the hat, okay? So, with all of that said, and one other item, and that is, we hope that you will participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, spending that quiet, peaceful time, going within, listening to that still, small voice. So, today's program, I think you're really going to enjoy. Uh, I know that I am, because we can always use... A little help in this area of our lives. Uh, we're talking about uh, relationships and, and, and so forth, but we're going to talk about some of the myths, and we're going to do that. Now, this is interesting. We're going to do that with an author. He's a psychic medium. He's a spiritual teacher and a speaker, and his name is Vincent uh, uh, Jenna, and I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, for this program today. Oh, my gosh, Richard, thank you for having me. Had I known that you were going to look so cool with that hat, I would have brought mine. I've got a Stetson of my own, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, uh, I've been wearing this since, um, since before I moved to Santa Barbara. We actually visited here sometime before then. And when we moved here, I heard the reports on the news, the Hollywood news, that Brad Pitt had brought back hats. And I'm going... Who's Brad Pitt? I don't know what you're talking about. I've been wearing this thing for four years. Anyway, it doesn't right. matter. I'm, I'm. It's, it's comfortable. I like it, and I appreciate the, uh, the compliments. Absolutely. And it's great to have it you with. It gives us. you even more character. It adds to it. Well, let me tell you, they say I am a character, both family and friends, so uh, I guess it works out well for me. Now, hey, you got nothing wrong with that. You have an MSW uh, behind your name. What's MSW? They're three initials. Oh, you want to know what they mean? That's oh, correct, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to ask the right question, Richard. <laughs> I got to put it in a different context there. Yes. What do those initials stand for? Masters in social work. Okay. I was a psychic first, but I did not want to rule just by my psychic abilities. I wanted to be able to understand the human mind inside and out since I was going deep inside the psyche. So I went back to school as an adult and I got my BA in psychology and my master's in clinical social work. So that's what the MSW stands for. Um, and it's so fun because I get all these different interpretations because I'm psychic, you know, master spiritual worker or something <laughs> like that. My wife has other 
definition yes, of those I'm letters, sure. but we're going to keep this a clean show. Yes. We're going to keep it clean. <laughs> well, I'll, all I can tell you is I've got initials in front of my name. Uh, one of them is REV, uh, and the other one is DR. Now, um, I'm not uh, an, actually a doctor. It's more I, I, I've, I've been doing archival work for many years, and uh, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm a doctor, of an audio physician. You need something uh, uh, pulled off a reel or vinyl or, um, you know, other formats that I have the technology to work with to digitize them and so you can listen to them again for the first time, um, please uh, let me know. Uh, became a reverend a little over 10 years ago online, the usual thing that people do. Completely forgot about it. And all of a sudden I get this uh, notice uh, from the Universal uh, Life Church saying, Congratulations on 10 years of being a reverend. And I, I thought, okay. And it's, it's, it's genuinely recognized. So that was kind of nice. Yes, that was very. And did you say that it was 10 years of you being irreverent or <laughs> a reverend? No, that goes back 40. That goes back for Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just making sure, Richard. I want to clarify these things. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We must define our terms. Now, yes, we do. We're going to talk about the myths of relationships, uh, among ah. other things. But as you as you've already stated, you are, and I well, I read too that you are a you're a medium. Mm -hmm. How long ago did that start? I mean, when when in your life did you realize? Um, I've got this connection to the spirit world and, and I'm getting these oh. impressions and so forth and on and on and on. I mean, I, I, you know, we can talk about the specifics, but when did that, when did that start for you? Well, actually, Richard, I've been doing this work for almost four decades now, which just gives away my age. And it was when I was 28 years old, I wasn't born with this. It was thrust upon me ah. because I asked for an ability to be able to help my friend. He was having some, um, life issues and crises going on, and I didn't know what to do to help him. I was a professional singer, actor, and dancer at the time, okay? So I did movies and television and Hollywood stuff, right? And um, I had no idea how to help this guy. So it was in a cry out to spirit to ask me for the ability. And within a week or two, I mean, Steven Spielberg and even Cecil B. DeMille, if you're old enough, couldn't create an epic movie like what happened to me. So it was just crazy stuff. And I was 28 years old at the time. Hmm. And how did this affect you, especially with uh, what what your upbringing might have been? In other words, where where do you come from philosophically and was this something along the lines of, of an Edgar Casey who was, was a born-again Christian, and yet he continued to do this work and do these channelings to help people in spite of the fact it rubbed against the grain of his beliefs and yeah. philosophy? My goodness, I was raised a Roman Catholic. I'm Italian. I'm from New York. Me too. It's ruled that you're supposed to be a Roman Catholic. And then I became an altar boy. That's the second rule in New York for Italians, okay? <laughs> and so, so that way mom could have something to be proud of, you know, and dote around the neighborhood. Yes, my son's an altar boy. Mm -hmm. um, it's right. But that wasn't me. Very early on in my life, I had different beliefs and philosophies as a little kid. As a matter of fact, I used to interject 
all of these answers and these statements during adult conversations when I had no right to. And that's about five years old and six years old. So I got nicknamed by my uncle, the little professor, and I got smacked in the head by my mother and father every time I interjected something. You know, it's like... Get out of here, kid. You know, kids are supposed to be seen, not heard. That That's when the time period I come from. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was, you know, just whatever. I was going to hold on to whatever beliefs that I had. And I used to argue with the priest while I was an altar boy that they were teaching God and Jesus wrong. And, you know, and forget that, that earned me beatings at home because you don't do that with the priest because that condemns you you and your whole family to hell. That's, and that's right. what my mother believed, right? <laughs> we were going to hell all because of me. But that's where some of my philosophy, I knew that there was some spiritual aspect to life. I knew there was, I did believe in a God, in a source, in, in an omnipotent being, and I did believe in Jesus's work, but it was more like, I believe he came down to show us and remind us who we were, not who he was. You know, everybody got so hung up on that he was the only God that we wound up forgetting that we are, you know, too. We're just the same. And he said that. And so it was it was that kind of philosophy that I started with, but I never was practicing. Right. I believe that a church is not brick and mortar. You know, it's where you sit and talk. And and now here is the crazy part. I was attracted. We're going to talk about relationships. I was attracted or I attracted to me a Jewish girl. And I was Roman Catholic. And back in the 70s, that was a no-no. They did not marry still at that point. But my wife now, um, all we could talk about were our similarities, not our differences. You know, we recognized that there were some, but there were more similarities in the ideas and the construct of what, why we're supposed to be spiritual so that we can be compassionate and caring and loving and, and giving of each other, you know, and helping each other and as well as loving yourself and fulfilling your dreams and all of those wonderful traits. Mm-hmm. We had those in common and that's what we focused on. And we always talked spiritually about life and we always incorporated everything into a spiritual aspect once this happened yes it was strange my wife didn't know whether to call the local priest to get me exercised the (laughs) rabbi to get me blessed in some way or bellevue to get me locked up she didn't know but she trusted me because she had been with me since i was 17 years old Mm -hmm. and all this stuff that was happening and coming out of my mouth just like edgar casey and today it's more like abraham hicks right and before he was even doing it with esther i was trancing all of this information and she knew i didn't know any of it she knew that this was coming from some of the place and her belief in me and it's, it's what normalized me. And then I was directed to actually Edgar Casey material to give me a foundation and normalize what I was going through at the time. So it was a, a great synchronistic play and movie that occurred at that time in my life that went on for a couple of months. So that's where I started from. So it's not so unusual that I ended up here. Mm. And and wouldn't you say that uh, these people who uh, sort of resisted initially, they resisted initially their their gifts 
Uh, there's another gentleman by the name of Johan. Oh, no, no, no. Don't tell me. I can't remember his name now. Oh, my goodness. I cannot remember his name. The book entitled that 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 uh, that he wrote or that was channeled through him, if you will, but it was also his writings, too, um, was Communication with the Spirit World of God, going back to 1933. He was also a Roman Catholic priest. Wow. And, um, oh, my gosh, I cannot... Uh, I, I even have a translation of the Bible uh, through his uh, through his channel, and it was oh, wow. not one of your more complimentary versions uh, or books, channeled books in terms of the 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 book that he wrote that that talked about the Catholic Church because I remember giving it to my mother. Now this was earlier on in in my life and hers where she was still very very much a practicing Catholic. And when I, <laughs> when I shared the book with her, <clears throat> she read it. She actually did read it, and she gave oh, it wow. back to me. She didn't like it. Did not like the, how the Catholic Church was viewed and, and so forth. But to this day, my mother and father and I and my present wife and I have had the most incredible spiritual conversations We'd go over there on a Sunday afternoon, <clears throat> and of course it would get a little bit later in the evening, and we we have animals, so we hey we're gonna have to get going. We got to take care of the animals, feed the chickens, and da 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 da. And of course, my dad already being retired, he'd look at his watch and go, "You know, I I don't have to get up tomorrow morning. I'm retired." <laughs> you know, that's the way my dad was. But uh, Johannes Graber, thank you, Johannes Graber, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, that's oh, his name. There you go. I'm sorry. There you go. Yeah, and he he wrote this book, and it really. Put, sort of tried to straighten things out for people as far as the Catholic Church was concerned. Now, you and I have a similar history from the standpoint of questioning. It wasn't so much as a child as much as it was my early years in broadcasting. I worked 15 years. I worked for a Christian radio station. Now, oh, wow. I, I actually was willing to have a giant H stamped on my forehead for heretic and would have worn it proudly because I did not... I couldn't. I couldn't accept the answers to my questions. They didn't make logical sense. Right. And I'm a firm believer in one of the the old. I think it's Old Testament passages that reads, uh, "Let us sit down and reason together." Well, where in the Sam Hill do you reason? You reason in your brain. Where did you get your brain from? The Creator, the Force, God, uh, whatever you want to call. <clears throat> and so let's sit down and talk about this. Okay. Right. And I would ask these these heretical questions, but I do have to give uh, his his name was Monsignor Nenko. He was a uh, priest as well as a Monsignor in the Eastern wow. Rite of the Catholic Church, the Byzantine okay. Rite, of which my first wife was a member of. And I remember him coming over to the house in the spring when he would do the house blessings. And I said, I have a question for you. And I was so grateful and awed by his answer of honesty, his honest answer. I said, can I ask you a question? The research I've done about the crucifixion, specifically not just of Jesus, but anybody who was crucified back in those days, the final indignity was that they were stripped naked. They hung up there for all the world to see. Why Why don't we, if, if we're, we're supposed to look at the, the crucifixion as uh, you know, our, our salvation, why are all the crucifixes with Jesus on them hung on there? Why is he wearing a loincloth? 
And his honest answer was, well, it's because we don't want to upset the sensibilities of the people. And, an, and right. the first thought that came, rushed into my mind was that New Testament w- phrase, ye shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I didn't say this to him, but I thought, why, why can't we tell the truth? And the government, our governments are the same way. Oh, no, you people couldn't handle it if we told you the right, truth you about aliens. Right. Or we told you gotta the truth. Got to protect you. Yeah, got to protect you. you got to be kidding. Yeah. Richard, a cross, everybody wearing a cross with Jesus's penis showing? You got to be kidding. That would never be accepted in the religion. They would paint one on even if they started it that way. <laughs> to be kidding yeah they would never remember remember they have to put it on to be consistent with the story of creation when they ate the of the apple and they started to feel shame and covered themselves so therefore they needed to be consistent with that and say well jesus would be covered he would be even though it had nothing to do with jesus's choice of what he was going to wear the night of his crucifixion or morning of his crucifixion right um so yeah but it's always to protect us it's always to keep us from feeling shamed and back in those days um nakedness was i mean it was definitely a sin we're not talking about you know, St. Tropez Beach, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not, nobody is going to be accepting anything with nudity. And so, ah, God, but what a great question and what a great answer that he didn't lie to you. He didn't lie to you. He did not lie to me. That was the thing that I loved about him was yeah. the fact that he, he was honest, he was genuine and, uh, um, you know, and, and he, even he as a Catholic Monsignor, uh, even he had questions, you know, he didn't just buy. And this was one of the, the sad facts about my Christian radio history. When I left, my boss said that I was a casualty of Christian radio. And here's part of the reason why. Number one was that I was doing interviews, trying to under, better understand the Muslim faith because I'm curious. I was even asked, are you a Muslim? No, I'm curious. I became a Baha'i in the early 1990s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am no longer a practicing Catholic, but I never left the church. I basically finally got it right, and so I moved on to the next level, you know. But I love the the ceremony, the ritual, the tradition of the church. That's something that I hold dear. I want to talk about that as we continue here and tell me your story, but we will get into a bit of this whole aspect of uh, of myths of relationship myths here with Vince Jenna, and we're going to talk with him as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I want to encourage you, though, to go to his website, which, of course, is Vincent Jenna, that's a V-I-N-C-E-N-T-G-E-N-N-A dot com. Find out more about him and the work that he is doing and maybe have him do a little work on you and with you uh, so that uh, you can also better understand where you're coming from as we continue to give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are looking for those new ways of living. Vincent, Vincent Jenna here on Tell Me Your Story. We're trying to better understand ourselves and the world in which we live. I've said this over and over again, Vince. Uh, I, I hope I can say Vince as opposed to Vincent, but... Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, when I say we're looking for those new ways of living, I also say that all you have to do is look around you. The old ways aren't working. We've got to come up with right. the new, way, new ways 
to work and love and live and play together on this planet. The good Lord did not give us, did not give us a solo occupancy on one of eight billion or more planets in the universe. And I'm pretty certain there are that many, if not more, class M planets that we could occupy. The reality is, guess what? We're all here. So with that being said, when we start talking about these myths, uh, and I guess the best way to do it maybe would be to say, okay, from your perspective, your experience, your observation, what's the number one myth or the top myth, if you will, that people think is true about relationships? Well, let me preface this by just giving a little background information on why I can even speak on relationships. Mm -hmm. Because once I returned to school and I got my degrees, I did nothing but research, research people, research couples. Then I became a psychotherapist and I was doing that for a while. I did couple therapy and marriage counseling, all sorts of things like that. So I added, this isn't just about being psychic and getting an intuitive download. This is about having done research and, and studies in this area. Not to mention that my wife and I have been together for 48 years, married for 43 years, very joyously. So I would expect to know something about how relationships really work. Mm -hmm. And I deal with them all the time. People from all over the world. And this is the funny part, Richard. This is not a United States American isolated human issue. This is an issue worldwide because we're all the same when it comes down to it. Mm -hmm. We have all the same needs. And when it comes to love and when it comes to relationships, they're exactly the same, whether you're Japanese, Australian, um, British or American or white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. It doesn't make a difference what you are. They're all the same. Okay, so okay. I wanted to preface that and the background to where this came up with. So I wanted to really get to what the issues were. And it's all about these beliefs. That's how we create. We create life through beliefs. So therefore, if we're going to solve the problem, like you just said, we got to do something different. Albert Einstein said, you can't solve the problem with the same <laughs> paradigm and set of beliefs that created the problem. Mm -hmm. So you need new beliefs, right? So one of the way of getting new beliefs is by getting rid of the old ones first. Mm -hmm. You don't want to put new beliefs on top of old ingrained beliefs that are etched in there because you'll get nowhere. That's what people are trying to do today. That's what the premise of most of my work is about, is everybody doing all of this new age, new thought movement type work and spiritual work. And they're still not getting anywhere. And they're still saying it's not working. God, it's not working. Why? It's because you haven't gotten rid of your old beliefs. You're just trying to cover them up. And we create from our deep down core. That's what's attached to the law of attraction. And, and that word attraction is really important to understand everything about relationships. So let's talk about that. The first greatest myth is that opposites attract. No, they don't. Like attracts like. 
And that's really important to understand. Now, people will say, yeah, but it's always opposite to track. He likes this, I like this. She does this, I do this. That's personality styles that has nothing to do with the attracting part. The unconscious part is what attracts. So if you don't believe you're lovable, if you don't think you're good enough, if you don't think that you deserve you know, uh, abundance in life, you're going to attract a similar person who believes basically the same things about himself or herself. And that's really important to understand. It's like, well, the genders may show it differently. You know, an insecure guy shows his issues differently than an insecure woman does. So you don't pay attention to what you're showing. You pay attention to understanding that like attracts like. And why that's so important is because if I jump to the eighth myth, which isn't really a myth, it's actually an understanding. Mm -hmm. You'll understand how it connects to the first myth. Attracting someone has nothing to do with anyone else. Attracting a partner and the perfect relationship has nothing to do with anyone else. Mm. It all has to do with you and what you believe about yourself. And there's been scientific and research done proof on this for the for years now. And as soon as the, the fields of psychology became really important and thriving, they did tons of research on things like this. And they absolutely can show that there's something under the surface going on that is causing people to get into the relationships that they're in. And what we know and what I know as a spiritual teacher and a metaphysician is the idea that your inner beliefs are what's controlling your attracting and who you get involved with, good or bad. Now, maintaining the relationship has something to do with the other person, but attracting it has nothing to do with the other person. Mm. So that's myth number one to understand that like attracts like. So it's all about you to begin with. All about you to begin with. We're talking with Vincent Jenna. He is uh, a combination of things, an author and a psychic and a uh, a relationship, uh, I, I want to say counselor, but more along the lines, you're here to support relationships and so forth. And well, I'm Richard Dugan, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we hope that you will uh, continue listening to this program as we continue to talk uh, with Vincent Jenna here. VincentJenna.com is the website. And of course, Vincent, we will be linked to your website so people can continue there. Uh, they're uh, metaphysical, they're transformational, they're spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, uh, um, forward motion, if you will. Um, I wanted to ask you something in regards to uh, one of the, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping this is also one of those myths, or maybe it's, it, it's a, that it's, uh, it is, it is a reinterpretation of a, a saying, okay, and we hear it all the time okay is this a myth and then i'd like for you to explain this because i'm getting uh as as i myself being a metaphysician 
uh, I'm getting the, this this sense that it's got to be a redefining of this this quote unquote myth. <clears throat> Are you ready? I'm ready. Go ahead. Hit me with it. Till death do us part. Oh, till death do us part. Now, do you want to hear my reinterpretation or understanding at this moment? Well, you can absolutely, you can chime in on it. It'll I'll be see, brief. Um, Very brief. Yeah, go ahead. Basically, till death do us part. Until we have done all that we were here to do together and that now it is time for us to move on to the next whatever the next is relationship experience etc that doesn't mean that we necessarily physically die but that we put to rest the wonderful experiences that we had together and we take all of that with us and move on in this lifetime. Well, that's a great interpretation and definitely a metaphysical interpretation of that statement. And that statement was just simply put that way for either the lay person to understand that way, which meant, oh, well, as soon as we die, we're not together anymore. Or the more advanced and, and evolved spiritual person that understands, of course, there is no death. But in this partnership that we agree to in this physical lifetime, that we'll take all of our experiences, we'll do all we're meant to do, just like you said, and then we get the chance to move on and take that to the next realm and see what happens with it there. And, and wherever else we need to go. Um, but that also implies that till death do us part means you have to also resolve anything that's unresolved. So all of these divorces, okay, that have gone on, that did not go on amicably, that was left bad, you guys aren't done. Mm -hmm. You're going to be deciding on the other side that, the relationship has not come to an end yet because, one, it is still affecting you emotionally. It's affecting you residually on however you ended the relationship. And if you had children, it affected them as well. So you guys are going to have to resolve that all one way or another until it's ended finally. Mm. I That's know. what death means. Even if there is no such thing as real death, then it's a finalization of the relationship and the growth in the relationship. Right. So, yes, I just expanded upon what you were just saying. But, yes, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what that means. So it's neither a myth. It just needs to be defined correctly so people understand it. Right. And the definition is really subject to the individuals who are wanting to define it. That's uh, exactly right. My that's parents... Exactly right. My father being 90 years old this year, still doing well. Wow. Mother, 87 years of age, still doing well. Um, 65 years married. Wow. Fabulous. That was my parents, too, before they passed. And, wow. And I have to tell you that my two older sisters, my younger brother and two younger sisters, love them very much. So much so that I wanted to go visit them uh, in the summer of 2020. But I asked them before I jumped on a plane or jumped in a car, and they said, no, please. And I said, yeah, because I, okay, I get that. I don't want to be responsible 
if right, exactly. I bring this thing to you and yeah, Richard, you are no longer, you are dead to us too, because yeah, <laughs> I don't want to do yeah. that. So um, we have a great relationship. And as I said earlier, we have had these incredible conversations with my parents about so many different subjects. Uh, she introduced me actually to a wonderful book about chakras called Joy's Way, where I learned that, oh my God, there are more than seven chakra points? You're kidding. I mean, there are hundreds all over the body. Um, I mean, I've and I've read Ramdas. I've read Gerald Jampolsky and uh, Ogmandino and uh, uh, even Leo Buscaglia, the love doctor, going back to the 70s right, and of 80s. Course. Uh, you remember them, him as well. What a, what a great okay. guy he was. Um, I want to talk a little bit in regards to relationships and relationship myths. We'll, we'll kind of, of, of uh, jump around a little bit here as we continue. Here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, we're talking with Vincent Jenna, vincentjenna.com. We, we are linked to his website as well, and we hope that you will go to his website and find out more about the work that he's doing and the uh, plethora of books. Uh, you can create your, uh, you can create uh, an exceptional life. That's just one of them. The Big Leap. Ask and it shall, and it is given, not shall be, it is given. Uh, we, 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 just so many different books you've got on your website. Uh, you also even have uh, from uh, Greg Braden a wonderful book called Fractal Time. <laughs> we've had him on the program. Hasn't been a while. It's been a while since we've had him on the program. I've got to get him back on here again to find out what hey, in the world he's been doing. But but you have these books that uh, you recommend to people as well. Tell us about uh, the latest work that you have uh, have created for people. Oh, that's really interesting because I'm right in the middle of getting that published right now. Um, the title will be changed. Originally, it was God, It's Not Working. And it was about the idea that we, and I mentioned it earlier, that we try all these different practices. You know, we keep hearing all about um, new age material and metaphysical material and spiritual contents and philosophies that you can create, you can manifest, right? And everybody is trying to change their lives, change their world, make it better, bring in abundance, that you have the right to abundance and love and finances and, and good health, great health, and all of that. And people keep trying these things and still end up saying, God, it's not working. It's not working. Why isn't it working? So the material and my research and the work that I have done is all based on that and the anomalies of the brain that get in the way and the mind that gets in the way of our creating what we want. So most of the time, People don't believe what they think they believe because of these anomalies, because there's parts of the mind that purposely cover up and protect you and shield you from some old beliefs that when you were growing up, I call them the I'm nots. I'm not good enough. I'm not deserving enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not lovable enough, whatever, from all the negative environmental messages you receive from all the adults in life around you, whatever you formulated, you kept back in there. You're an accumulation of your lifetime, Richard. We yeah. don't go from one years old to 40 to 50 to 80 and, and be just that age. I'm 66 years accumulated. Here, here. So I have 
all of those years, including my youth inside of me. And when people say, oh, get rid of your past, get rid of your past, you can cut off your arm easier than you can get rid of your past. Your past is part of who you are. It's ingrained in there. It's never going away. You can format a hard drive on a computer easier than you can format a hard drive in your brain and your mind. Mm -hmm. And people have to understand that. And that's what the crux of my work is all about is understanding what's getting in your way and the fact that you're stopping yourself. That's the name of my Unity Radio show called Stop Stopping Yourself. I love that. I love that. Uh, right. Stop stopping yourself. Now, knock it off. Just cut it out. <laughs> yes. But, but saying that is easier than doing it. But it sounds to mm-hmm. me like you have... You have a, a plan, you have a formula, a protocol, an idea of how to do that. Yeah, called work. <laughs> it's called, yeah, it's, it's called going in there and doing the unpleasant stuff. Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. Richard, we could say that all of this is, it's not hard. It's actually harder to resist walking the light path than it is to walk the dark path. You have to take energy. You have to actually put in all this energy to make a negative decision because positive, we are naturally positive beings. Our power comes from source. So there's nothing but positive in there. Right. So you actually have to work harder at doing it wrong. Now, what winds up happening is that you get into a habit of doing that. And every time, every time you have to make a choice, your intuition is speaking right away. You have to apply energy to push that away. You have to come up in your mind with some kind of idea and thought as to why not to listen to that, why to make this choice instead of that choice. And so you're rambling and rambling and rambling. And, oh, my God, I have friends that don't even sleep at night because Mm. of all their anxiety and all their rambling because they are so negative. So negativity, and it proves your body gets broken down quicker It experiences more um, health problems Mm. because of being negative. Why? Because that is exerting all your natural energy and redirecting it the wrong way. So when we say, when I say it takes work, it takes conscious, mindful focus. That's all it is, is paying attention. Stop living in your automatic world now and then wondering why you're so exhausted at the end of the day. All you have to do is pay some attention to what's going on up here. And you'd be able to stop so many things before they even become a problem. Stop that fearful thought that just came up. Stop and, and understanding where it's all coming from. And it's all coming from that inner person and that kid from a long time ago that was damaged and hurt and believed, like I said, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. All the negative thoughts and fears and doubts all come from there. I'm about ready to say something, Richard, that's going to sound off the wall. But listen for a minute. Every adult is rational, reasonable, reliable and stable. Unless, of course, there's the outliers, then they have mental pathology. But other than that, every adult 
is rational, reasonable, reliable, and stable. Every child is not. So therefore, when you see an adult acting up, most of the time they're acting like a child, having a temper tantrum. They're going to bang the wall or they're going to hit you because you made them mad. It's the kid in them that is responding that way. So you have to constantly understand that that's what you're allowing to control you. And you can stop that. And that's where the work lies. It's just being aware and acknowledging that you got great set of defenses that's telling you otherwise, including right now. Right now, there are many of your listeners going, oh, no, Vince is full of crap. No, it's not me. It's her. It's my partner. It's him. It's my neighbor. It's the government. It's this person. It's that party. It's that belief has nothing to do with me. It's everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's a defense mechanism. Well, and we need them because it, your mind protects you not only from your physical issues, but from your emotional pains as well. And defense mechanisms was one way it came up with them. Just got to be aware so it's easy process. It really is. Yeah. The practice is difficult. I am going to have you repeat that one more time for the uh, bullet, uh, the, the, the hard-headed individuals, hard, even hard-hearted individuals who need, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense, I am getting the, 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 the prompting, okay, that I need you to say that one more time, that phrase, please. Okay, the, the process is easy. The practice is difficult. Now, go back to the phrase about every adult is. Oh, every adult is rational, reasonable, reliable, and stable. Every child is not. So therefore, when you feel doubt and fear and anguish and Whatever that sounds or smells negative, that's coming from your inner child that has been damaged and hurt and believes that you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're not deserving, you're not worthy, you're not whatever you believe based on what your experiences you went through. That's what causes you. And, and here's more proof of that, Richard. What we have seen just happen in the United States alone, where people are lashing out, listen to what they are saying deeply. Their primary complaint is, you don't care about me. So you're not attending to me. So I have to attend to myself. You don't care about. Those aren't things adults say. Those are things Children say, now let's just put the phrase mommy and daddy before the sentence. Mommy and daddy, you don't care about me. You don't, you don't want to help me, mommy. You don't want to feed me. I'm, I'm hungry and you're not feeding me. I'm mad at you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hit you. Those are childish beliefs and behaviors Rash adults don't act that way because we're more mature. And so if you look at everybody who was responding and reacting, look at the group of people standing on the desk going, 
Those are what kids do when they're when they're having competition. I won. I'm the big guy. I'm the important. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Those are not adult behaviors. That goes to show you how much the child within, and not just of those people, but of everybody. Every time you don't go and try to go for that promotion at work, it's because your little kid is saying, no, 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 don't go, don't go. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Don't do that. And every time you, you, your finances are bad and you're working from week to week from on paycheck to paycheck and you're wondering when this is going to end your little kid is saying but you don't deserve it to end you are a bad little boy and girl so you don't deserve it to be easy in your life and you just don't know you're saying that but the proof Mm -hmm. is the outcome we're connected to a power we are a power that law of attraction that law of manifesting but that is connected to your deep down unconscious beliefs, not your conscious beliefs. If it was connected up here, we'd all be in trouble. Half the world would be dead and the other half would be billionaires from winning the lottery all the time just because you had a thought. It's not thoughts alone. Your thoughts influence your beliefs. Your beliefs create. So if you don't have anything in your life, it's because you don't believe you're anything and you've got to change those beliefs. I don't want to usurp anyone's free will with this next question. Ah. However, I need to ask this next question. Please do. And I ask this on behalf of those who will hear this question resonate in their minds. Hi, I know someone. Okay, this is not, oh yeah, I have this friend with this problem, and of course you really have the problem. No, this is genuine. This is coming from the adult, coming from the heart. I know someone who is exactly like you describe, and I want to help them, but I also don't want to manipulate them or deceive them or cajole or coerce. I genuinely want to help them, but... Everything I've done up to this point, they just, uh, they're still stuck in that negativity. How can I, and maybe I can't, how can I help them, assist them in coming up out of that, out of that well? Is there anything that another human being can do? You can't, first of all, and it's because of free will. They have the right to choose the right thing or the wrong thing, the higher thing or the lower thing. And a lot of times, Richard, people intentionally keep choosing that lower belief because it's all they're used to, because they're afraid then if they experience any kind of happiness at all or any kind of improvement, here's where the phrase, the other shoe may drop, comes from. The belief that I'm going to lose it. Um, So I'm used to being here. I'm used to being miserable. So I'm going to hold on to that. So therefore, your only help can be a light. Be there to offer them. I'm here if you ever want to talk or speak about anything. 
If you want to be able to change some of the things, then I certainly have some beliefs that may help you, but it's completely in your hands and your control. And then you pray for them through the back door, which is what I call it. So you can't go through the front door if they're not going to let you, right? So the way you pray for them in the back door is affirm for them with spirit what you would want them to affirm and believe about themselves. So let's say they're having um, uh, financial difficulties. So this would be a similar prayer, I would say. I'd say, you know, spirit, God, I know that I'm one with you and that we were. You created me in your image. And the same for me that goes for everybody else, including my friend so-and-so, John Smith. And, and he, is, he is having um, wonderful financial abundance and success. And he's happy and thriving and healthy financially. He just doesn't remember that. And so he's not creating that. So I am affirming it for him. And through you, you can remind him too. All his loved ones can remind him how fabulous he is, how abundant he is, how unlimited he is, and that he never has to stay in a position that he, he chooses not to be in or doesn't like. So I know this is all good and positive and I can release it into the universe knowing it's perfect and that this is all going to happen. And so it is. So just affirm for him or them or her what you would want them to believe about themselves because you're connected to that energy. So you'll feed into the positive energy pool and then believe in them and believe whatever journey they're on, their soul is there. And if it wants to take them out of it, it'll come speak up. You know, sometimes the human mind is very willful and overpowers the soul's direction but you got to believe in them. You got to know that they are still part of God and that this is only a delusional life anyway. This is all an illusion. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're diluted here thinking that this is all real. So even any person's suffering is not real. And once they get to the other side, they'll understand that. But certainly we try to help. Let's like I did. I wanted to help my friend desperately. Right. And so all I could do is be a light and give him some answers. If he chose them, fine. If not, okay, that's your life. I can't do anything about it. Now, another part of that equation, you, 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 you're doing all of this, you're affirming for the person, uh, maybe even, and, and again, I'm certainly a firm believer in prayer, uh, putting them mm -hmm. on prayer lists and, and on and on and on and on. And here's the, here's the tough love question about this individual. Go ahead. How long do you do this in the context that you are now starting to feel the effects of this other person and they're starting to interfere with your optimism, your positivity, your glass is half full, your dreams, or to put it another way, they're starting to steal your joy. Oh, Richard, I'm okay. So without me, yeah, let me, let me put this um, in, a, in, in, a, in a very loving way. Okay. First, no one can steal your joy. You can only give it away. Okay. Because there is no such thing as victimization in life. If there was victimization, everything would be random. The universe would be random. Our bodies would be random. 
there'd be no purpose for being here because we could never control anything or direct anything. Mm -hmm. And the universe is in total perfect order. So you can't have oil and vinegar mixed together because it doesn't work. So it's either one or it's the other. Mm -hmm. So there is no victimization. Therefore, no one can take your joy or take advantage of you. You can only give it. Okay. Now, as far as feeling, when you start to feel another person's pain or it's affecting you in that way, mm-hmm. it tends to be more a reminder and hitting some of the old scars of your own pain. Because again, mm-hmm. you can be empathetic. People have to understand the difference. And I'm, I'm getting, you know, it's really interesting. There's even groups of metaphysicians and so-called practitioners that are helping those people who call themselves empaths. And the way they're helping them is by accepting that they're empaths and that that's a good thing because they're just sensitive people. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're hurting these people by telling them that that's a good thing. No. An empath, again, you can never feel another person's pain. Because if you did, you'd be victim to everybody again. You'd be walking around getting fed by everybody else. And now you have no control. What is happening, though, is that I'm about ready to sneeze. Oh, wow. I only sneeze on profound statements. So hold on to this one. Okay, I'm listening. Okay. Another person's pains trigger your own. That's what the empaths are feeling is your own issues or your maybe maybe when when mom and dad or something was going on at home or at school and you tried to help and you couldn't help and you felt very inadequate. um, You felt bad about yourself that you weren't able to help. Right. And so now you've forgotten that you've grown up, you pushed that aside. Now you're doing this work and now you're working with this friend and you love this person and you're trying to help them and it's going nowhere. Now it's starting to bring you down. What's happening is that button from a long time ago is now being pushed and you didn't realize it because you focused on this individual, right? But you're feeling funny inside about yourself. You're starting to feel negative. It's old issues just being incited again and inflamed because of the situation. So I would then say more so go back within and go, okay, this just brought up something. I'm going to take care of that again. You know, little Richard. Yeah, little Richard. That's cool. I hope you can sing just the same way. Wow. There we go. Little Richard's inside well, I can there. Sing, but I can sing, but not the same way. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But you got to go to little Richard again and find out what's coming up that yeah. you can't deal that, you know, that is being inflamed. And we have all those scars. Every single injury we've ever been through when we were younger created a scar, even if we've taken care of the issues. You've obviously taken care of the issues. Otherwise, you wouldn't be this far. But even little Vince, because of the torment I went through, I am on a daily basis talking with that little kid and making sure he's not influencing anything. Now, here's what an empathic person is capable of. And we learned this in active listening very early on in going to school for psychology or any kind of communication courses. Being empathetic means that you're capable of understanding 
how something could be hurting somebody. Like, for example, the loss of a child. Now, personally, I've never lost a child, but I can imagine how painful that must be with the amount of love I have for my own. That's what empathy is. So we want to understand another person's pain through empathy and compassion, but not be feeling someone else's pain. Now we're feeling our own. Mm. I tell you, um, you are definitely uh, a one who is connected to spirit uh, because and, and maybe it's not as much that as much as your experience in social work and psychology and so forth and being able to pick up on the fact that uh, uh, as I've often said on this program, the universe asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. And every once in a while, the universe asks questions that I personally want answers to. And uh, so you are you are right on there. Absolutely. We're talking with Vincent Jenna. VincentJenna.com is the website, and uh, we are uh, we are here combined. If if I'm doing the math correctly, uh, a combined level of we'll call it awareness and understanding of about 125 years combined. I'm 61, my friend. And, oh, you look like a baby. Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I have to tell you that when I was in my teens and early 20s and in broadcasting or getting into groups and even into my 30s, I was still always considered the youngest in the group. And it bothered me. And as I got older and I stopped getting called at, then I started to kind of miss it. You know, it was, it was kind yeah. of nice being the youngest in the crowd. So to look at, I will take it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. The, the aspect of... Uh, utilizing the various modalities. And when I use that in your con in the context with you, uh, it's a combination of spirit mm -hmm. as well as mind and emotion. And again, I right. know that there's no separation. Everything is interconnected. I get that. Right. Uh, but um, when you are working with someone... Mm -hmm. You are tapping into all of those aspects and maybe even a visually, you know, the body language. Obviously here with Zoom, all you get is the face. And I have a friend, a dear friend who has since passed away, who used to read faces based upon not so much how they were looking and how the eyes were open, this, but more the shape of the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the various features and what they, how they were. And gave you a sort of a, I think it was called personology. I think that's what it was referred to as. Fascinating, uh, fascinating stuff. Yes, But you, you put all of this together. Um, and I, I would venture that it, you've been doing it for so long. It really has become second nature. Uh, do you ever have to consciously, so to speak, um, turn it off or say, I really, I don't want to be... I, yeah, I don't want to do that right now. Mm. This is this is a fun time. This is a party or what have you. I, I, I don't 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 give me that information. I don't need it right now. Well, here's how that works for me. And I have to say, because I've been doing this for such a long time, but right from the get go. And again, Richard, everything is about beliefs, including the use of your talents and your abilities. I had an arrangement with the universe, which includes spirit and my soul mm -hmm. and everybody else. Do not bring me anyone who is not ready for a big transformation. That's number one. So they call me the big leap psychic. Mm -hmm. And number two, 
Don't tell me anything that's negative that the person or myself cannot do anything about. There's no sense in that. And I don't believe that a psychic is good if they do say something negative that a person can't control. Um, like, for example, somebody else's death. I, I don't think they have the right to do anything. And they're going, they're out of control if they do. If you cause any, any discontentment or, you know, I, my work is hard with people, believe me. You know, when they when they're with me for an hour and that's on the phone mostly now, 99, actually 100 percent of all my readings are by phone now, especially because of the coronavirus. I don't do any in person. And that's with people all over the world. So I don't always get a chance to see them. Right. But but I have that where no information is going to come to me. Nothing negative that they can't do anything about. And don't bug me. Unless it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> and so I can go anywhere. And even Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium, she has admitted in her live shows that she does not have any control over this. So she can be in the store. Now, that, believe it or not, that's not a positive thing. That's not like, oh, well, she's just so talented and so good. It just comes to her all the time. Absolutely not. We have enough issues trying to get through life with the stimulation we're receiving now. <laughs> and in this planet, we get a lot of that, especially lately, right? Between the environmental things going on, between what people are going, what's going on with people, what's going on with everything else, Mother Nature, all of that. Right. That all now, all of a sudden, we're going to be seeing all dead people and getting all of this other outside information <laughs> constantly hitting us. That's called out of control. Yeah, that is called out of control. And then that leads to stuff like schizophrenia, by the way. OK, yeah. so that's what then that person needs to be on medication. So it's only a time if I'm at a party and I do happen to get a tap on the shoulder or a whisper in my ear then I know it's important because it wouldn't happen otherwise because I'm in control. Mm -hmm. And because I've been doing this for almost four decades, I have evolved enough to be able to control all of my skills and abilities. And that doesn't mean that I might not be in the house and all of a sudden see a spirit. I mean, I am capable of being aware and relaxed, but also as soon as I see something in a household, it kind of leads me into very casual conversations with the owner of the house, you know, and inevitably what winds up happening is, oh, I never really liked this house. I feel such heebie-jeebies here, like somebody's looking over my shoulder. Really, I can help you with that <laughs> because, yes, I can validate, yes, there is somebody here um, and I can help you with that. So it always leads to somebody being helped in some way if I'm seeing anything out of the clear blue, right? right? So I've got total control over it as it should be with everyone. We're talking with Vince Jenna, and uh, he has joined us, on, joined us on this program, Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, to help us, to help me, to help you. Uh, I often say, uh, Vincent, uh, that uh, these programs that I've been doing for, near, uh, for over 40 years are my therapy. Uh, that uh, I, uh, I sort of take that on, so to speak, and uh, say, you know what, I, I need to listen as hard as the, the people listening to the programs or watching the podcast because there's going to be something in there that I need to hear uh, that more in, in, in most cases 
in in uh, uh, that it's not going to give me anything new that I don't already know. It's just going to confirm what I already know. And that's one of the things. Oh, that I've, absolutely. Yeah. It's one absolutely. of the things I've viewed about psychics, for example, mediums, intuits, if you will, whatever word you want to use uh, is um, you. I, I would never go to them to get answers. It was more I I need a little support here. I, I, I think what I'm getting from my still small voice, which I don't quite trust yet, which I do these days, but back then, uh, yes. what are you picking up on in this area, that area, the other area, you know, and, and they will give me their impressions. Also, nine times out of 10, acknowledging that's what I'm getting right now because everything is in flux. Everything is in motion that could change in a flash, in a minute, in a, you know, and so forth. That was one of the things that I find interesting, too, when we talk about what's going on in the world today, let alone in our country. Uh, and you talked about this earlier in the program. The, uh, I, I came up with, they, they, they love to put a phrase to every, um, uh, to, to, to campaigns, for example, uh, elections. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll put certain phrases uh, and uh, sort of uh, labeling this election of this year and that year and the other year. I've labeled the 2016 presidential campaign. It was the presidential campaign of victimhood. Now, in the 80s, when I was going through LifeSpring and other personal growth and development programs, we were heavy in this country into victimhood. Oh, it's my mother's fault. It's my father's fault. It's their fault that I'm the way that I am. This is what they would teach us in these programs. In the 90s, we started to accept. We started to get into co the concepts of codependency and so forth and so on. We started to realize that, oh, well, wait a minute. Uh, maybe uh, I have some responsibility for, you know, we're starting to get to understand that. And as we move further into the new new century, Ah, we're interdependent, and I am a hundred. Uh, as a woman is a hundred percent pregnant, she either is or isn't. I'm a hundred percent responsible, and I really thought we were on a nice, steady trajectory upward and onward, and raising the consciousness. Until, and I know it was before this, but still, until 2015. Bam! We fell right back down to the 1980s, and it's somebody else's fault that we are the way we are. And I just thought, oh my God, what happened to the progress we made? It seemed like progress, Richard, yeah. but it wasn't. It yeah. was a nice coding on what was always the issue. Because here's the problem, and the coronavirus actually helped us to see this. Yes, yes. It brought to the surface everything that has already been in there. Mm -hmm. Nothing has changed except our technology. And we'd like to think that we're an advanced civilization because our technology is advanced. But it was somebody who said, and I believe it was Einstein, again, who said that you're in trouble when your technology advances way beyond your spiritual understanding to be able to use it. Yes. And so 
we are in trouble in that way. And we have not advanced because if you're looking at life today and some of the aspects, what you see, the anarchy that's going on. Wait a minute. They did that in the Wild West. Wait a minute. They did that in the South and 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 had cross burnings and all of that. So what has changed? Why? Because there's now a whole bunch of information and people like you and myself getting this new understanding, this higher evolved believing and living concepts, right? All of this, uh, these are higher concepts and we've had this information. It's ancient information. Yes, so it's not like we're coming up with anything new, you or I, like you said, we're just we're putting it out there again, trying to remind everybody, but it didn't work then. And the information alone does not work. The libraries are filled with it. And if we are considered advanced based on the information we hold, yes, we're the most advanced species around in this universe here. Mm -hmm. Because of all the information that we've got stocked away everywhere. But it has nothing to do with the information. It has to do with the application of the information. And in that regards, we're still archaic. Because we take little steps and then don't go anywhere. We think we're advancing. And we're not. If yeah. We still have the suffering. So we've got to do it another way. We've yeah. got to stop and look at what advancing really is. We've got to what stop stop advanced? we've got to stop stopping ourselves is what you're really trying to say. <laughs> That's it. We got to stop stopping ourselves <laughs> and we got to look at what's really happening and we got to look at the real beliefs inside. You know, today we have more people dying of so many different diseases, viruses and illnesses that a, a, a giant set of encyclopedias couldn't hold down every single. I was a hospice social worker for mm. several years. Wow. And I dealt with over 500 patients who transitioned. And I had patients who died of cancer under the pinky fingernail. That's where her cancer started. Under the pinky fingernail. And then cancer of the tongue. And cancer of every single private part you can imagine. I mean, that didn't exist. And statistically, quite honestly, and if people do the research correctly, they will find that today there has been more deaths than ever in the history of the world. And that takes into consideration the population. But when you look at who's leaving and how people are dying, that goes to show you whether we're evolved or we're still down here. So yeah. it looks like we're going up, but that was fake. Yeah, yeah. And it's sad. It is, uh, it's sad on it the one sad. hand, but by the same token, uh, there are those uh, who are trying to look at things from a, a broader perspective, a bigger picture, uh, and not, not yes. ignoring, not being insensitive to the losses, uh, but also saying, too, that... Um, this is, on the one hand, part of uh, sort of a, a natural uh, sequence of things because of the choices, because of the choices that we as a civilization have, have made over the decades and centuries. And 
then there are those who continue to come into this world, as you, I'm sure, have uh, are familiar with the whole aspect of, of deciding whether or not to sign the contract on the dotted line before you enter this world. Um, uh, okay, I want to have this experience and that experience and so forth. And I even heard this wonderful. I, I, I kind of liked it, but I wasn't sure exactly what it meant. Someone said, oh, yeah, all of us who are here today, spirit, uh, the spirit world, everybody there. Oh, they, they look at us as heroes because we've chosen to come into the world at this time with all of the stuff going on. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you so much. I don't look at it that way. But, uh, you know, I'm just I'm here doing the best I can trying to help myself and others to to raise our awareness, our consciousness, our perspective on things. Mm -hmm. And I kind of use this analogy, especially uh, when it comes to the concept of change, because everything is in motion. Everything is changing. Uh, and um, I look at the macro universe, the macrocosmic world. You can look out into space. I, I have to happen to co-host a program called Skyview, where we talk about what we can see in the skies over our re respective cities each time we do the program, along with a bunch of other stuff as well. And uh, everything's in motion. You've got things running into one another, things exploding, new things being made, old things uh, that, that are falling apart. And... And, and there is no judgment. There is no judgment in the universe of what it's doing. Okay? It's just doing what the universe does, what the cosmos does. Now you go to the microcosmos. And you look in the electron microscope at, at the subatomic level. And you see basically, if you think about it, you basically see the same images of stuff moving around and things dividing and splitting and things dying and being absorbed <coughs> and all of this kind of stuff. And there's no judgment there. It's just doing what it does. Mm. And then you go to what I've termed. <laughs> there's the macro. There's the micro. And then there's uh, you and me in the mid crow in the middle. Okay, uh, the middle cosmos, where things are doing the same thing, but boy, there is one hell of a lot of judgment. And I fought this concept of dualism for a long, long time until I finally got to that perspective. And I began to realize that my ego is the one that is placing the judgment on these experiences. They are just experiences. How I view them and subsequently act is entirely up to me. So, um, yes, it would be very sad if I got the phone call today about my 90-year-old father or 87-year-old mother. However, I am grateful for what they have given me. And that is their legacy to carry on in the fashion that I do with these radio programs, these podcasts, these telecast, these uh, video casts. Talk to me about how you uh, interpret. We can say dualism. We can say the world, the macro, the micro, the mod, uh, the micro, if you will. Uh, these various aspects, because the bottom line, you said, and actually, you said it already. I'll put it in one different word. Maya. 
It's, this is all just Maya. It's all an illusion. Right. Well, here is the thing. That's interesting the way you put all of that. Um, don't confuse judgment with awareness. Okay. Judgment is us turning around and saying that's the most stupid thing that ever happened. <laughs> awareness is, okay, uh, that just happened and that didn't feel good. So now I've got to do something about that. What do I do? So awareness is absolutely necessary mm -hmm. because that's what we were given to discern the difference between higher choices and lower choices. Mm -hmm. And whether we want to judge, use the word judgment in calling them that, there are higher choices and lower choices because we have to know how we're not, again, we're not random. And so that you know... The macro that you just gave as an example and the micro you gave as an example are totally and only influenced and controlled by us. Aha! Everything in the universe is physical. We are the only things that are pure energy and dominion over all of that that's what was meant our energy yes physical things have energy too but at such a lower vibration than us that's why we influence it a matter of fact you know that prehistoric time when a comet came to earth and wiped out all of the dinosaurs it just so happened to happen right before mankind appeared on the earth we sent the comet to do that so that we could live here because we knew that if we were going to incarnate on this planet we couldn't do it with the original forms that were here otherwise we would have all been eaten alive mm -hmm. and they have finally determined that the neanderthal did not live on the planet at the same time as a brontosaurus did because we would have been stomped out. There were some other creatures, but the majority of them were gone. We influenced that. We influence the environment now because we have power. Isn't it amazing how we've had all these storms doing all of this damage and harm to places right at the time that we still have all this negative hatred, anger, lashing out racism, people killing, shootings all over the place. And Mother Nature and the Earth is completely influenced by that. We influence the macro. We influence the micro. And it has nothing. The results don't matter. That's why everything is really just an illusion here. It's just a Maya. Nothing is real. It's a matrix. It's a living matrix. Because it's about the choices we make, not the outcome. We never have to worry about an outcome. We never have to pay attention to the outcome. It's like, what are we going to do since there are poor people? What are we going to do if the environment is being messed up? What choice are you going to make? Oh, you're going to make a choice to clean it up? Oh, you're going to make a choice to feed the people? Well, there you go. Now you understand what God is. Now you understand what unconditional love is. Good for you. You've done a good thing. Are you going to clear it all up? Oh, no, that wasn't the purpose. 
Jesus said it himself. We got spiritual leaders on this planet that constantly throw in a universal understanding that we have to latch on to. And it was during the time just before his crucifixion, where supposedly, and the, and the story is there for our purpose, whether it's real or not, is not what matters. It's the message we get from it. So there's Jesus, and he's sitting down, and Mary Magdalene supposedly is cleaning and bathing his feet and starts putting these very expensive oils on his feet and on his hair. And Judas turns around and says, what are you doing? We could feed a whole bunch of poor people with that bottle of oil that you're using recklessly. And Jesus turns around and said, Judas, there's always going to be the poor. But can't you give me some pleasure? Can't you care? So in other words... Can't you think about the moment that we're in? You're going to use as an excuse that, well, that's not going to fix anything, when in actuality, it's not going to hurt anything either, because that's always going to be there. Yeah. Okay. So it's the choices we make, not the outcome that we have to care about. Um, it's why Eastern world um, karma uh, philosophy was all messed up. Karma is not a law, it's a principle. You don't have to go through anything karmic. But what the Eastern believers and the ones who gave it to the Western world did not understand about karma because they created the caste system, if you remember, mm -hmm. over in Eastern India, mm -hmm. is they believed that if there were two of them walking down the street and they'd see a guy drowning in the lake, they would turn around and say, oh, poor guy, it must be his karma in order to drown, and then continue their walk. But they didn't realize that maybe it was their karma to jump in and try to save him since they were the two that were seeing him drowning. <laughs> and they missed that point. So they didn't do anything and they let him drown. Just like when people were born poor in India, it was assumed they were meant to be poor and they kept them there. Yeah. That's how the caste system was formed. And if you were rich, you were supposed to be rich and you kept it to yourself and nobody helped each other. And that's where everything was wrong. So we got all these proper ideas and concepts written down and understand it, but use them wrong, which is the same thing. We were talking about religion earlier. There's such wonderful religious concepts and beliefs based on spirituality that are right. But because of our interpretation of them and using them wrong, <clears throat> right. We get we miss we miss the point. Yeah. So we influence everything. We weren't even meant just so that, you know, and I'll throw this in. And I know time's up because I got to run is is that we weren't even meant to live on this planet and incarnate here to start with. Here, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Richard, have you ever been to Disneyland or Disney World? I have Disneyland. Do you like it? It it has its uh, it has its pluses. I I enjoy it. Okay, well, what what vacation spot do you love the best? Ireland. On the Ireland. Where? Ireland. Okay, well, why haven't you moved there then? <laughs> That's a very good question, my friend. Okay, well, I use Disneyland because most people will never think of moving into Disneyland, and most people really love it, right? Well, the Earth was like Disneyland. It was a place to come and visit and learn more about yourself while you were visiting it mm -hmm. and to understand the different aspects of you. But it was never meant for you to move there. Once we did that, we created a karma here that we're still trying to make up. 
we became involved and influenced this planet. The animals took care of everything itself and was perfect in perfect order. Even after we sent the, 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 the comet here and destroyed all of that stuff, life by itself just evolved and didn't need us. Mm. And it's once we got here that throws off everything, threw off everything. So that is an indicator that we weren't a natural part of this planet at all. So mm. where are we? That's not judgment. That's complete awareness. And by the way, when a kid gets shot in school, it is an awareness that that is not supposed to happen. Right. It's not a judgment of me saying that. It is not supposed to happen. <laughs> by whatever free will we have, whatever our souls are going to learn from it, that's not the kind of suffering that we were ever meant to experience. And we're creating more of it only because we've forgotten who we are. That's all. Yeah. That's all. We're talking with uh, Vincent Jenna. VincentJenna.com is the website. Give us the title of that uh, book that will be coming. Can you give us that again? Uh, uh, that'll be coming out. Oh, Do you know? Not, well, the title, the title is going to change. Okay. Just be looking for it at the beginning of 2022. Okay. That's when it's coming out. That's then, when we're going to launch it. So it used to be God, it's not working, but it's not that anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, key, the key to finally stop saying that. That's what it was part of. It's probably going to be something like stop stopping yourself or wake the blank up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then we are going to make sure to have you back to talk about Absolutely. that new book. And so many other things that we can continue. We could continue this for another hour, but I know that we both have to move on to other things. Uh, but first of all, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. This has just been a joy, uh, as are all of the conversations that I have with my guests. I, I can't tell you uh, the new insights as well uh, in terms of the difference between judgment and awareness, and that is very important for both myself and everyone else to, to really grasp, or as I like to say, to grok. So thank you so much. Yes, I love that. And thank then, you for having me on the show. You, you are more than welcome. And uh, I do have three final questions I'd like to ask all of my guests. Uh, you've okay. probably answered them uh, during the program, but I'd like to uh, ask them directly. However, before I do that, I need to address my listeners and viewers. I thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We do come your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays for the special edition of Tell Me Your Story at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews, and I hope you'll subscribe to either or both of the podcasts and the videocasts. And as of this broadcast, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, the statistics for the podcasts on all of these different platforms, 45,700 listens since January 1, 2018. As I've said many times, 
I don't know what the numbers mean. I'm just glad that people are listening. That's all I care about is that the information is getting out there. If you'd like to support the work that we are doing, and we would greatly appreciate any support that you folks can give us, uh, we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And uh, all you have to do when you go to PayPal and you want to send, send it to my email address, which is richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. We also want you to participate. I know that Vincent would agree with me here in the decade of perfect vision. Spend that quiet, peaceful, calming time listening to that still small voice. Not only will it give you guidance, it will give you encouragement. It will give you inspiration, insight, awareness <laughs> as we've been talking. So please take that time. Uh, and I'm hoping you'll take that time long beyond January 31st at midnight of 2029. Okay. With all of that said, the first of my three questions, who is Vincent Jenna? Vincent Jenna is a psychic therapist, spiritual teacher, husband of 43 years, father to two absolutely incredible and beautiful children, and grandfather, actually a poppy, to three amazing grandchildren who lives in Holly Springs, North Carolina. At the beach right now, I enjoy some wonderful time and traveling and meeting new people, my wife and I. And um, I'm a tell it like it is person to begin with. I have a lot of love for everybody, but that's just me. You know what I mean? That's who Vincent is. <laughs> what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Oh, to save the world. And finally, That's all. in actuality, wait, let me, let me, let me clarify that. My joy is to as many people as I possibly can to help them believe in themselves and unlock and release their passion, their purpose, their dreams, and realize that they have the key to fulfill all that they desire. That's my greatest joy. And if I can do that in the billions, I'd be fine. And finally, what is your life's purpose my life purpose is to experience my divinity and to share that with all my brothers and sisters so they get a chance to experience their own well vincent jenna thank you again for joining us here on the program it's been a great pleasure not only to meet you but to get to know you through this program and we will have you back again at the end of 2021 to talk about your new book that'll be coming out first part of 2022. So thank you again. And thank you, Richard. It's been an absolute joy. Take care, everyone. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast videocast, Love to Law.